Okay. Uh, this is Kevin Evans with the Chapter by Chapter Life Class in Crossroads Assembly of God in Greenville, and we have been studying the Gospel of John, and last week we finished with Chapter 9, which was all about Christ healing the uh, blind man and the subsequent fight he had with the Pharisees over it. And today, it's chapter 10, and it's all about sheep. I have learned so much about sheep in the last seven days. Anyway, uh, so he gives a long extended parable over uh, shepherds and sheep and how that represents the kingdom of God. And, um, and then there's another uh, uh, interaction with uh, the Pharisees, and that ends chapter 10. Chapter 10 is pretty much this uh, one parable. And I have seen this parable uh, um, interpreted and extrapolated in all kinds of different directions. And I think you have to be kind of careful about how you interpret scripture. And um, anyway, we'll get to that. So, uh, moving on to uh, chapter 10, verse 1, I'm going to read the entire chapter, and then we're going to go back to uh, verse 1 again, and we're going to unpack the whole thing. So with that, I tell you the truth, the man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, <coughs> but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The man who enters by the gate is the shepherd of his sheep. The watchman opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls to his own sheep by name and leads them out. Then he has brought out all his own. He goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but they did not understand what he was telling them. So he explained it. That was, that was me. That was not scripture. Yeah. <laughs> Therefore, Jesus said again, I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. All who ever come before him were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd, as he kind of shifts his metaphor here. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd who owns the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And I'll lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I receive from my father. At these words, the Jews were again divided. 
Many of them said, He is demon-possessed and raving mad. Why do you listen to him? And others said, These are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Then there's this huge shift. And I know this is a lot of verse to be reading at one time. Uh, then came the Feast of Dedication at Jerusalem. It was winter. So there's a big time jump here. And so we're in a totally different place. And Jesus was in the temple and walking in Solomon's colonnade. The Jews gathered around him saying, how long will you keep us in suspense if you are the Christ? Tell us plainly. And Jesus answered, I did tell you, but you did not believe. The miracles I did in my father's name speak for me, but you do not believe because you are not my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Again, the Jews picked up stones to stone him. But Jesus said to them, I have shown you many great miracles from the Father from which these do you stone me. We are not stoning you for any of these, replied the Jews, but for blasphemy because you are a mere man and claim to be God. And Jesus answered him, Is it not written in your law I have told you uh, I have said you are gods, little g. If he called them gods to whom the word of God came and the scripture cannot be broken, what about the one whom the Father set apart as his own and sent him into the world? Why then did you accuse me of blasphemy because I said I am God's son? Do not believe me unless I do what my Father does. And if you do it, even though you do not believe me, believe the miracles that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I am in the Father. Again, they tried to seize him, but he escaped their grasp. Then Jesus went back across the Jordan to the place where John had been baptizing in the early days. And here he stayed and many people came to him. They said, though John never performed a miraculous sign, all that John said about this man is true. And in that place, many believed in Jesus. Okay, sheep. I suffer from being a Texan. I know all about cattle. When I was a, a boy, my father sold compensator liquid feed to ranches, and we would go pump this uh, nutrient-laced molasses into these uh, uh, tanks which was very smelly, sticky business, by the way. And uh, all the cattle would rush up to the tanks as we were, you know, loading. And I was, you know, cattle are docile animals. They are not the least bit aggressive, but they weigh 2,000 pounds. You don't want to get in their way when they're in a hurry. And I was a little, a little afraid of, a little afraid, afraid, afraid. I, I had respect for cattle. They have big horns. You don't want to make them mad. Anyway, uh, my experience with sheep was very limited. In fact, I kind of was aware of goats, and uh, I'm not sure, my, I don't think my, my family ever had sheep at all. Uh, and that really makes certain sense because there's a certain way you farm cattle and a certain way you farm sheep, and they don't really go together very well. Long story there. I think there were some wars back, back about 100 years ago. Anyway, uh, Sheep are dumb. Well. They don't know where they're going. They don't know where they've been. Uh, you know, 
they, 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 they kind of need to be led around. And in the East, there uh, usually it was one or two people dealing with a large flock and they developed a system of managing a flock that works very well because they're, they're also kind of afraid and they're always kind of protecting themselves. And it, once they figure out where the safety is, they follow the safety. And once they figure out the shepherd is safety, then they follow the shepherd. And also when they have dogs, they have to... Well, dogs drive. Dogs don't leave. And, and they do, and in the West, here, th there are no shepherds that, that guide their flock from one to the other by walking ahead of them. The sheep don't know the shepherd in the West. The sheep are kept in a pen, and then you run your dog in and you drive them through the, through the gate, just like the cattle. We, we do it the same way because that's the way we know. And the sheep do not have a connection to the shepherd here. You know, uh, that's here. 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 And yes, I know I, you, you, have, you have experience here, and I'm going to let you jump in in a minute. Uh, so Christ is comparing the church, uh, his church, his followers, to a flock of sheep, and he as the shepherd. And this is actually based on several Old Testament references. There are many Psalms in which David refers to the, the followers of God to being the sheep and God being the shepherd. And, uh, and, and David wrote a song, that, what is it, the hundredth psalm, he leads me by still waters. He, he is the sheep in that song, you know, approaching God. So this is not a new idea for them. But so he's taking this old idea of the church being sheep and God being the shepherd, and then he's casting himself as the shepherd and he's uh, talking about how the church works. And of course, that got them all upset since they weren't accepting that shepherd part. So, correct me when I'm wrong. Uh, in the Middle East, there were two distinct kinds of sheep pens. And uh, one was a municipal pen. And um, in a... In a Middle Eastern town, there is this uh, belief in hospitality for travelers. It's a dangerous country, and you want to be nice to people that come through your town. And so there's really not a sense of uh, hotels or, or places where you can go buy a room like they do here. Uh, there are uh, guest houses that are basically, it's an empty house or an empty lot that is protected with a wall where a guest can come in and set up camp and that, that, that's sufficient for them. That way they don't, otherwise, they're moving in with somebody's house that's somebody that, that lives in the village, and so you stay in the house. Well, when you show up with, with uh, 100 uh, uh, head of sheep, or whatever that's called, uh, you can't bring them in the house. So they have municipal sheep pens. And usually this is a wall, four to six feet tall, often stone uh, that brings in, I'm assuming, a quarter of an acre or so. And uh, they would, you run your flock into this pen and uh, there is usually a porter at the front gate who manages the pen and you check it in and then you go camping in the house and get dinner and, and your, your flock is taken care of. And there is somebody on watch there watching your, your sheep. Here's where it gets interesting. 
The next guy comes in that evening and he has a flock of 100 sheep and they run him straight into the same pen with your sheep and then he goes to dinner. And there may be as many as six different flocks of sheep all in the same pen together. Now in the morning, those guys come out and you have to get your flock. And each sheep has value and it's a big deal if you lose one. But they're not branded, they're not marked, they're, it's a big bunch of sheep. How do you separate out your flock from theirs? Because while they've been out grazing in the wilderness, the shepherd has been singing, has been talking, has been making some kind of a call sound with specific to himself, making some kind of weird noise that they relate to. And so he comes to the gate, he sings, he makes his noise, they recognize him. And not only do his, does his flock come out, the other sheep retreat because they don't know him. He's not making the noises that they're used to hearing. So he just steps back and leads them off. And he's got a crook and he checks them as they come out. And uh, I would count them. Uh, and once you've got your flock out, then you're good. But he doesn't have to go in and find them. Current Bedouin shepherds can recognize their own sheep. And if they had to go into that pen of 200 sheep, they would, they, they know their animals well enough that they can find their own animals, you know. And they'll even give them names. Usually it's some kind of attribute. So it's black ear, or red foot, or whatever. And, uh, and, and so they, they name characteristics, and it, that just helps them get more familiar with them, and that way they can find their sheep, and it, they all separate out, and there's rarely any argument over whose sheep is what. You know, uh, it's because of how the sheep behaves and whether or not they follow them. So that's the, the whole pin thing. Uh, in town, outside of town, it's a little different because you don't have a permanent pin. And what they will do, and actually some of these are semi-permanent, but what they will do is take brush and they will make a fence just out of brush because the sheep are used to staying inside an enclosure. They're, they're, it's not their nature to work their way through the brush and escape. They're not trying to escape, they're trying to stay together. They flock and so they, uh, so, so they will build this brush arbor around it, just, just piles of limbs and such. And uh, if they need to clear that off when they plow in the spring, you know, it, it's a couple hours in the morning and that's gone and you go on about your business. And so they don't have to use it for a, a sheep pen all the time. However, there are rural pens that are regularly used that have been used so long that it's grown up like fence rows grow up here. And so you've got trees literally growing in the middle of it and you have a little grove that's built up and you don't have to build it, it's already there. The thing is with a rural pen, there's no gate. So you get all your flock in and then you camp in the mouth of it. And so the gate is the shepherd himself. 
See that picture? Okay. So, Christ says, I tell you the truth that no one, no one can enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climb. I tell you the truth, the man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. So, there have always been thieves. And they had a watchman on that municipal pen to basically ward off thieves because there's a whole lot of merchandise there. And uh, when people would raid a sheep pen, there he is. When people would raid a sheep pen, uh, you would have one guy to crawl over the, uh, the, the wall and they wouldn't take the sheep alive. They would grab a sheep, club it, throw the sheep over the wall, and the guy on the other side uh, hauled it off and butchered it. So basically, they threw them over the, the wall dead. That's how you raid a sheep pen, because you're, 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 you're hunting for meat. You're not hunting for, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're not building your own flock or anything. That's not going to work. So uh, when Christ said, uh, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, that's literally the picture that he's, 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 he's presenting. And basically what you're saying is the devil's going to enter churches, and there's going to be certain people that call themselves believers, but they're really hiding behind the church to do wickedness. And so they're there to mislead and misguide and try to pull sheep away from God's flock. And he, he's picturing himself. He says, I am the gate. I thought it was interesting he doesn't say, I'm the shepherd. He does that later. But he says, I am the gate, which means that the only way to legitimately enter into this pen is through Christ. So the, the only, right. So, so he has to, so there isn't another way into the pen, a legitimate way in. Meanwhile, you've got people that are, clubbing sheep and jumping over the wall. So, yeah, there are false teachers who are trying to lead you another way. Are they teaching a false teaching? I think what he means by clubbing sheep <coughs> is people that step on top of each other. You know, they, they look for faults in people's lives and don't really pay no mind to their own, and so then they're too busy gossiping or, you know, slandering or doing things, and so they're clubbing each other. I think specifically he's probably talking about Pharisees because also, that's who he's clashing with at this moment. Yeah. Also, I think what he's saying too is, you know, in, in Scripture he says no one can come to the Father except through me, and I think that's why he's the representation of the gate is because as he's told him before, no man can come to the Father except he has to come through me first. Okay. So... Let me make sure I've hit everything here. Wow, I went through that fast. I hate it when that happens. I would say that's just, in my opinion, you know, the Lord does say, and I know you were saying earlier, that he is the gate, but then he also mentions himself as the shepherd. Yeah, that's where I was going. That, and we know that the gate is his blood. He is the gate. He is the only way to heaven. But when he also mentions himself as a shepherd, what is it to be a shepherd? It's to lead. So it could be in his in his sheep, the ones that are kind of wandering off through discipline, through, you know, the learning of God's word, but leading at the same time. Um, the, the metaphor does shift. He starts off by saying that he is the gate, and then at verse 11, it says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. 
The hired hand is not the shepherd who owns the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. So there's the difference. Uh, shepherds are poor people, I think, still in, in the Middle East, and they were then for sure. Uh, and so they were hired to do this kind of a outdoor job, and they uh, usually kind of smelly, and uh, they uh, didn't make a whole lot of money with it. And so if a bear is coming to you and you're getting paid minimum wage, do you want to risk your life to protect your employer's material property, or do you not? Not. I'm thinking not. Uh, from a personal experience, when I worked for Miller's Outpost a million years ago, back when we had that store in this country, in, in this state, uh, I trained salesmen. And all of them were slightly above minimum wage, just out of high school, on their first job, salesman. That was my job, those guys. Uh, still figuring out that I'm not their father, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, and so, uh, you know, we, we would we'd go through all the training, and if I'd get them on, you know, the register, and we would kind of learn what's going on, and then we would start talking about, you know, contingencies, and they go, what if we get robbed? because that always came up. And I said, first of all, if a thief robs a clothing store, they are the stupidest thief in the history of the world. No one robs a clothing store. At best, we have $200 cash in these registers at any moment. You know, uh, if you're a thief and you're gonna actually rob somebody, you hit a liquor store at midnight. That's when all, where all the cash is. You know, and I said, but, you know, honestly, it could happen. And to be fair, it did happen during the two years that I was at Miller's once. They're, they're still stupid people. These were stupid, stupid people. They were caught within 15 minutes of leaving the store. Oh, my word. However, what I told them is I said, if anybody comes and points a gun at you, you're getting paid $7 an hour, which is what they were being paid at the time. And I said, what you will do is you smile and you say, sure, and you open the register. And I said, I'm gonna put this in a bag for you, okay? <laughs> and you pull out a bag and you dump the whole tray. Put it up big so we can all see what's going on. Yeah, yeah. And, then, and then you take that free koozie that you're trying to sell there that's overpriced that people won't buy. You go, hey, I'm gonna throw one of these in for free. <laughs> And you just hand it to them and let them go. You're their best friend until they get out of that store. And then you call me. That's what you do. <laughs> because it's not worth it, you know. My kids need a father more than the yeah, company needs. Absolutely. Absolutely. It, it was, it's more bother and expense to have blood on the floor than let the register get ripped open, you know. I mean, it's not even personal with them. It's an expense for us to deal with the robbery. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, and then, and then we actually got robbed, and, uh, well, that's a whole nother story, because then they panicked, and they didn't know what to do, and it was like, I don't remember how to operate the register. They really didn't. It was hilarious. <laughs> oh, okay, never mind. I, I, that, that, that's, that's a huge rabbit hole. Uh, so, that's what hired people will do. 
for you. You know, there, it's the unmotivated guy at uh, McDonald's waiting on you in the morning. That's uh, it. They're in it for the cash, for the, for their wages, and that's it. And I think that's fair. I don't have a problem with uh, with, with wage earners. But that's not what Christ is saying. Christ says he's somebody else. He's not just a hired hand. He is the, not just the shepherd. He's the good shepherd. The good shepherd is the son. The good shepherd is the guy that's not working for the wages, but is working for the owner of the sheep. He's working for the master. And in, uh, in the Bedouin culture, when people are out on, you know, traveling with these, with these sheep and they're migrating, uh, it's traditional for the youngest son to be the shepherd, which was the case in David's case. So, so you're, you're, once you get a certain age, you know, there's that first job that you're qualified for. Well, a shepherd happens to be the one. So. Yeah, sure. And so you, 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 you break in on shepherd, and then once the next brother comes up old enough to take over your duties, you you know, have developed enough skill and maturity that your dad can use you somewhere more complicated, then he's going to put you on that, and little brother gets your old job. And, you know, and they hand down the shepherd job as we go. Yes. Well, they're not vested. They're not invested, I guess is the better term. I think that's the reason why he words it like that. He's clearly saying right here. Yes. You know, that don't put your trust in man, put your trust in God. So men will run away once they are attacked, you know, because they don't care. They don't, they don't love us the way the Lord loves us, so the Lord laid down his life for us, you know. So, anyway, hopefully that makes sense the way I word that. Yep. David was the exceptional shepherd. He actually took on the bear and the lion. Yes. Because and why would he do that? His family did. Yes. Because they're his sheep. You know, he, he's not being paid wages. This is he's uh, he, he has a personal attachment. It, it, it's his property. Of course, he's going to protect them. And isn't it uh, to prove that he's like good at what he's doing to his dad, so that he can get a better job? That helped too. Uh, and just for the record, uh, bears haven't been seen in the Middle East since really before Christ. And then lions haven't been seen in the Middle East since the Crusades. So. Not true in Africa. I, I know it's not true in Africa, but huh? What does that mean? What does it mean? You know, why do you say that? You don't because have it's a useless fact. Can I have a lot of heaven? Uh, 
I, yeah, I didn't look that one up. Sorry. I would, I would, I would think it's likely. Well, they don't have coyotes, so they really don't understand predators, do they? Armadillos? No, they don't have none of those either. No, I'm sorry. Well, I don't know so well to them all. Armadillos get a bad rap. Anyway. Um, okay, the good shepherd is the shepherd that's invested and is willing to lay down his life for his sheep. And then he comes back again at 14 and says, again... I'm the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I'll lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this pen. <gasps> Blasphemy. Is that, is, that, is that what it means? Yes. Oh! <laughs> A lot of people have interpreted this a number of different ways. That's the Gentiles <laughs> Except for the Mormons that are listening. <laughs> uh, we got a big Mormon contingency listening? Well, I, who knows? Um, that is what Mr. Young's people, that's what he taught. Anyway, they too will listen to my voice and there will be one flock and one shepherd. So uh, he is going to incorporate in Gentiles into the, the flock, which really upsets all those Pharisees too. They completely understood what he meant by that and weren't happy with it. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life not only to, uh, only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. Now, if you were a Pharisee listening to that, how would you interpret it? He's claiming he's going to lay down his life and get up again. He's going to resurrect. That's why they called him the Savior of Blasphemy. Uh, so they got kind of upset. In fact, raving mad. Not just mad. John says raving mad. Uh, why listen to him? And, uh, and then so they argue again. And then we have this shift in time, but the reason that this is here is because Christ follows through on this teaching with this second one over on the right. And so at verse 25, I did tell you, but you do not believe the miracles I do in my Father's name speak for me, but you do not believe because you are not my sheep. Because the sheep know his voice. They don't know his voice. They're contending with him. They're not his sheep. So his message isn't for them? Yeah, one thing I kind of want to bring up that's off the subject, please forgive me for this. You know, I kind of wonder why the Pharisees had such a hard time believing that Jesus was God when they quoted several times the law of Moses, the Moses this, the Moses that, because they knew that Moses went to the mountain and got the law and spoke to God. So they believed that. But yet they didn't believe that Jesus was God. You, you want my I mean? cynical answer? Uh, I do, yeah. Okay. Uh, the Evan cynical answer is money. You think it was money? Because because I think the answer to everything is money. 
Uh, it's it, 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 to a more complex answer is that he is challenging the religious status quo and they have authority and they are wealthy and they are comfortable and they have power they have civil rule over their own people they were complaining about the Romans uh, treating them as authoritarians that they were authoritarians over their own people and they were corrupt you know so they weren't that much different from the Romans, to be honest. And so they, even if they saw the Messiah in Christ, even if they recognized the prophecies, they were not, embracing him and his message as he was giving it would mean giving up their corruption and giving up their power and giving up their authority and, and, and bucking the status quo. And, and that's really hard to do. In any society, that's hard to do. Well, then, as he talks about the people that are following him, I think they're scared. They're scared of him. Like well, sure. They are following him. Follow Say that around. again? He said, no, he said, my sheep know my voice, and they are following me. So, like, oh, the Pharisees are following him because they're scared of him? No, he's, oh. Jesus is saying he has followers, and they're yeah. seeing that he has followers. So I think they're really scared. Yeah. Well, you preach oh, that very well. Sure. We're the same way. We, we're creatures of oh, yeah. routine and habit. Anytime something new comes along, we, we, no, we can't do that. We had, I mean, it's the true definition. That, don't take me wrong, people, about the true, because it's just political science. The definition of being a conservative is status quo. The definition of liberal is ever changing. We have a problem with new stuff. We do. Yeah, well, yeah, I did. Well, I, I was around when we went from hymnals to on the walls. Yeah. No! We, we might as well have been serving liquor and marijuana in the church. <laughs> I mean, I just, you know, I mean, I mean, I saw one guy threaten to beat up another guy in church because the words are on the wall. Status quo. Okay. <laughs> Prefacing this. I think anything that we do in church or in worship that honors God and that is genuine and is anointed is fine. And if you're singing rock and roll music and it's anointed and people are responding, then God bless. You know, how, and, and I've made that statement and argued for it during that particular controversy. I didn't care where the music was coming from as long as we were singing it appropriately. Uh, but now as I'm getting older and I'm on the board and, 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 and every month something comes across the table with a new bid on it, we're going to change it and make something look better. I'm the guy in the back that's literally chanting out loud, change is bad, change is bad. <laughs> and then they vote me down and we go on. <laughs> Somebody has to take that position. There needs to be an anchor. Yeah, oh my goodness. There's a time for change. I'm not used to being that guy. That, you know. Not, but, but see, there's nothing wrong with status quo. <sighs> right. God needs you. Uh, yes, he does. <laughs> here, here's change the, for the sake of change here, isn't necessarily no, good either. That's an extreme, but the yeah. extreme is okay. But are we, are we wise enough to see if it's broke? Sometimes we say it's not broke, but it really is. Yeah. You know, sometimes we let our own prejudices 
blind us to this is time for change. Let me swap out of her thing. We need, we need, we need, we need not political. We need the liberal on the board and the conservative on the board where they balance each other out. And well, there's not much balance in our board right now. It's, 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 it's a runaway train, and, and I'm being drug along behind. I voted for the chandelier, but I don't know about that chandelier. But openness and honesty to where, you know, to where you can say, hey, we don't need to change this because change is not needed here. You need that, but you also need, yeah. hey, I think it's not broken. Really, it is. And Pastor, if you're listening, I do think the auditorium looks great. I just yeah. want to say. That. What was that wink for? What was that wink for that you just did when you said that? What? 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 No, no, there was no wink. <laughs> Are you going like this? <laughs> <laughs> Can I say one thing? Okay. Okay, Bill. Please change the subject. Yeah. You know, I went to a church in uh, Mississippi, a Methodist church. It's my cousin's church. And as soon as church was over, you had to walk through all the men on the on the porch that were smoking cigarettes. So what is your thought on that? I think they're bad for your lungs. No, I'm talking about in the church like that. All the men in the church out there smoking their cigarettes. I think they're bad for your lungs. <laughs> they cure the women. Okay. He what didn't want to say, Bill? You're saying tobacco is a sin? Is that what you're trying to say, Bill? <laughs> I'm just asking your opinion. I don't think anywhere in Scripture it says tobacco is a sin. And in fact, if I think discovered tobacco in the Middle East, and I think Paul would smoke cigars. So there. Is it like the, a little wine? From Peter would smoke Marlboros. Mary Magdalene would smoke. What you getting to, Bill? Yeah. Nothing. I just asked. No, I'm not even going to tell me what you get to. You're trying to tempt me. I'm trying to. I just the Middle you know, East. They would all smoke camels. Point for Kitty. <laughs> oh goodness! I tell you, the one bad animal that, 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 that you don't want to be around is a billy goat. Because my grandfather left me being in front of a billy goat one time, and you know where I wound up? I wound up face down in the dirt. Can, can I bring this back? On please do, please do. Drag it right back. Yeah. I just want to share one thing about the uh, sheep knowing the yeah. shepherd's voice. Okay. We, uh, we had friends in Switzerland when we came home from Africa one time, stopped to see them, and they're in the Swiss Alps, and they had sheep. And while we were there, it was time for them to get the sheep to come down out of the mountains, where they let them go in the spring without a shepherd. They just went up following the fresh grass and we we got halfway up the mountain and the lady let loose a yodel like a certain type of yodel and I wondered what in the world is going on is that the sheep call and in about half an hour here they all came because they could hear that came, yeah. to that voice to that voice of that yodel and they all came down. There's tons of other flocks of sheep, mm -hmm. but only hers came okay. to her to follow her down the So mountain. in a crowd and I was, helps. Yeah. I was shocked, but just by her voice, they all identified themselves and came down. She never looked for any of them. 
they know who Rock and roll and yo Yes, yes. Glad we got it figured out. Hey, during worship. Great <laughs> summarize. <laughs> okay. As far as the Good Shepherd goes, I was trying to think of a Western analogy of that. And there was uh, a Louis Lamar story. And um, I don't think he was in one of his books. He, he, he had it in an interview. But he basically he said there were these two cowboys that went to work for the railroad in the 1890s. And uh, one of the, they, they, they kind of lost touch with each other after they went to work for the railroad. And then uh, many years later, they met up again. And uh, one of them was the vice president of the railroad and was traveling in his own railroad car. And the other one was still manual labor laying uh, tracks. And uh, the poor one turned to the other one and said, what's the difference between you and me? We both started at the same time. And uh, the other one answered, well, I went to work for the railroad and you went to work for $2.75. It was, one was a wage earner and the other was focused on the company. And uh, Louis Lamar called that riding for the brand. You don't ride for your wages, you ride for the guy that owns the cattle. And that's so, why David did what he did. Yes, and that's why David was, was writing for the brand, to yeah. use the old Louis Lamar expression. And, and he used that a lot in his writings. You know, it was, it was about commitment. It was about your investiture in the job that you're doing. And so that's who Christ is. He's not somebody that's just there holding position. He's your relative. He's your yeah. father. He's, he's invested in you. Should know his words. And you know, after after they're the young one that watches the sheep on behalf of the family, yes. what usually happens in that culture is then the old, old ones that are done working replace them and continue on. So you'll see either young, young kids or oh. old, old people that are shepherding the sheep. Okay. Because he's too tired to do anything else? Or <laughs> <laughs> all right. That is all I have. And everything that I have studied, I pulled out of this book that came out of Phil Clemenson's library, I think, when they donated to the church. You recognize this? It's in yours, is it? I don't know, a lot no. of yours came from my library. No. I read this whole thing this week, and it's written at about a fourth, fifth grade reading level. It's an easy read. It's a little dated because it was written in the 50s, and so everything uh, Middle Eastern is referred to as Oriental, and everything not Oriental is Occidental. But if you can get past some of the vocabulary, <laughs> it's a really good book. I will happily give this to anybody who is interested. It's all yours. Okay. All right. Yes, ma'am. Hit me. Um, we're talking about Jesus using the analogy of Jesus being the good shepherd. Jesus talks about, if you know me, you know my father, right? Yes. And then, then we talk about what we may or may not think smoking, however we, we view it, smoking, drinking, whatever. And is that really a call for us to make? Or is that really a call for the good shepherd to make? 
are we supposed to be focused on becoming more and more intimate with our Good Shepherd? We hear his voice, we follow him, and we pray for those who maybe we think are, are maybe straying a little bit, but it's not really our call to, to, to call them to repentance or to even say they're, they're straying. That's really the call of the Good Shepherd, and we should be praying for them that they would hear the Good Shepherd's voice even more clearly. I just want to throw that out. Amen. If we don't have anything good to say, pray. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's all go burn one.